0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good <laughs> evening, everybody. Rish Chodesh Nisan. Rish Chodesh Nisan. So tonight we're going to talk about a bunch of different things. Two weeks to Pesach. Mamash, two weeks to Pesach. We're going to talk about Akasha, why Nissan and Adarsh, why Purim comes out in Adarshadis. So we know that the two Nisan have to be near each other. But why? We, we there's an inu called tadir, tadir, tadir kaidim, something that's regular, something that's not regular. The regular, um, comes first. I, I think I think a leap year is every five years, something like that. So most purims come out on Adarishon. right? Every five years is an adoration, or every four or five years, whatever it is. So the tadir is, is Adirishan. so why don't we have them in the Tadir, in the, in the one that's more regular, which is Adarisha. We see this year; it's always in Adarshini. So it's Gula, Gula has to be Selimach La Gula. The two Gulas have to be next to each other. The Gula of Amalek, we got out of from Haman, and the Gula out of Mitzrayim, they have to be next to each other. Why? Why? So tonight I'm going to tell you a very interesting, an interesting answer. But before we get to that... Um, we'll talk about other things I want to learn a little bit Kavayosha tonight very, very important Kavayosha on cleaning for Pesach and the Seder for Pesach so this is what he says if you want to look it up, it's Perik Tzadik <laughs> and I have a Kabbalah in my hand says the Kavayosha all the hard work that a person does whether baking matzes, or cleaning your house, or cleaning your car, all the work that a person does, for the yontiv of Pesach, and he's very tired, staying up late at night, cleaning out your drawers, right? So he's very, he's working very hard to clean for Pesach. Through this work, who he kills you hear this? You have the power of killing the mazikim, the devils, the, the angels of harm that are called the nigebe Adam. Nige means disease, plague, right? You can always change the word nega to oneg. It's the same letters. Right? So through working and cleaning for Pesach, you kill the diseases of a human being. And those who work hard, cleaning for Pesach, who misakin hatikun, you fixed, you misakin the tikun, shell you are misakin the avera that a man does, an avera that a man does that we have shayviv for, so we fast shayviv and we dive in, right? Well, guess what? Cleaning for Pesach, if you're sweating and you're working. It's also I leave you Moras Nasho in the heart knows through a bitter soul on that very few of us are not saved from that sin. Therefore it's upon us to fix as much as we can and God with his pity he will be your yourshaba while you're cleaning. Yamar and he'll he'll save us. Now he says the following from um, also he says very interesting, where does he bring this down from? The Zayar Dafresh Yud Dalid. And the Zayar says de Ugois And the Ramak explains that the eating of matzah i never said this before i saw this this time that by through eating matzahs, who al haichi that by eating matzah is also fixes the avara of zera levatalah and he says bish'ein kavonasai ki that the sweat that a person sweats bishasha mitzvah while he's cleaning for pesach who skula it's a schooler we all like schoolers right the The sweat, the beads of sweat that come down your forehead when you're cleaning for Pesach, by Hashem are, con- are considered like tears. So it's hard for guys to cry, right? When we do chuv on your kippur, it's very hard to cry. So he says here that on Pesach, the Zara says if you sweat, every bead of sweat that comes down is considered like like tears. I can't really say that at my age I really sweat much cleaning for Pesach because you sort of have like a vacuum cleaner. Right? You don't really sweat much. But what I do do is I I kasha the kalem. And when I kasha the kalem, I have this huge pot that's boiling. So over there I do a lot of sweating. So Baruch Hashem it's very good to sweat for Pesach. It's 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 considered like tears. Now also um... He says here that a person should go to the mikvah twice, or Okay, we don't really go twice, we go once. But I know a lot of people that go before the Seder, in other words, after my they go to the mikvah at night before they do the Seder, because the Seder is very, very, very holy. Now, why is the Seder so very holy? So we're going to learn a little Zayar tonight. And the Zohar says the following. Why is this, why is this say it is so holy? The Hu Laila. Because that night, Zivuga Ilah Kadisha Itab Ishtachach. He says that night, whatever this means, the Zivig in Shemayim, there's a Zivig in Shemayim. Because it's called Halayla Hazela Hashem. The night of Pesach is called the Laila for Hashem. And I, I spoke in Munsi, every night I've been speaking this week. And I, and I read this specifically to the women, but it's also for the men to know. And I say this every year. And This is a little bit of the problem of a hotel. So if you go to a hotel, you should you should try to set the table, the the the, the Seder table. You should try to at least do that. Set the table yourself. He says the following. When you set the table, for the Seder, for the that the table has to be set and beautiful like the Minig of Yisrael. Iker kavana you set the table what should be your thought process? Tzarech l'saken ha-siba l'chavoyd you shouldn't be thinking about setting the table for the people but you're setting the table and I'll explain to you soon why you're setting the table l'chavoyd <speaking in> ha-kodesh <Hebrew> for the honor of God U'shinte <speaking in Hebrew> and his shechina <speaking> baal and therefore Chalila v'chalila Chas v'sholam l'saken ha-siba <Hebrew> that your Seder table should be set by a non-Jewish maid. So you got to make sure specifically for the Seder that the table is not set by a non-Jewish maid. In Dafka Yisraelis, it should be set by a Jewish woman. Umatov, and it's much better. Matov Ma'od, Ayide Yisraelis HaTohara Mitumas Nida. The table should be set by a woman who is Tohar who is clean from the Tumah of Nida. It's even better. It should be done by a young Jewish girl, who never had her period. He says, it's simple. That it's good and, and, and blessed much more that your Seder table should be set by a girl or a boy who has never Tameh. Now, we don't have this when it comes to Shabbos, right? Yes, it's a not to set the, that a non-Jew should not set your Shabbos table. It should be set by a Jewish person. But, we don't have it a, a minute that a, uh, the, the person who sets your, your Shabbos table should be taller that she was never Tomei, or a young boy that was never Tomei. Why don't we have this at the Shabbos table? We specifically have this for the Seder. So, I think that we have to understand, and that's really what I'm going to talk about tonight, um, the holiness of the night of Pesach. So the Kavanoki says um, on the word that Mareh says on the cover HaKarosh the table should be set for the honor of HaKarosh Baruch Hu and bias, You should set up your house clean up your house set up your house why? Because God is coming to your house on the night of the Seder he's coming into your house with his Shechina and the Pema Yishamayla and all the Malachim he's coming to everybody's house Pesach night by the Seder why? I will tell you soon now on the bottom in the Kabanaki, he says the Kav says the Kach Nayag Meiri this was the the Minog, the custom of my of my Rebbe and my teacher Lachsar Achab Besula to go looking around for a young girl Shaloi Raya said, she was who never saw, who was never a nida, who never had her period. That she, his Rebbe, that she should set the table. So he, it was very. uh He says, if you want to know where it's brought down, it's brought down with psich lazuta al hichlos nida. That's where he brings it down. The par talmishna is like perigimol mishnah Gimel, that that a nida, an, an unpure woman, should not." Set your table good for the seder, okay. And he goes on. You good? And he goes on, and he says, "Alkein, therefore, the night of the seder, you should be sitting by the seder table, and you should be singing and praising Hashem with a lot of happiness, not." So, is it over yet? Uh, can we finish by 11.30? Come on, I'm so tired, it's so boring. I didn't bring it with me, there's a book put out by the Reform, a Haggadah put out by the Reform Jews, I have it at home, it's called the 10 Minute Seder. They have a, really, they have a Haggadah, you make the whole Seder in 10 minutes. Amazing, no? Right? I should have brought it with me. It's very, It's. very. I read through it. It's. I knew there was something wrong when instead of having the four banim, you know, the Sheinu Deilishel and the Tam and the rush and the Chacham, they had the four banot. I was like, uh-oh. Right? Because equal rights. Why four sons, four daughters. Right? I knew the minute I saw that, something's wrong with this Haggadah. Right? Well, then I looked at the front of it and I realized it's not an orthodox. It's a reform Haggadah. So you have to have equal rights. You have to have the four daughters. You should, see what, you should see what the daughter that's a Russia looks like. It's a very weird picture. It's a very weird picture. But anyway, okay. And you should see what the tzaddik looks like. <laughs> this girl, with she has tzitzis and turlan on. It's like a little weird, right? Okay, that's nebuch. That's never the that we're in. That there is such a haggadah. But anyway, so he says the low shum And when you're sitting by the seder, you shouldn't show that you're in a rush. You're bored with the food already. You know, it's very funny. I'm sure all of you have gone through this. You come home when you're a little kid and you have all these booklets that you did in yeshiva. You know, your little brothers come home and your sisters have this whole booklet and all these vatores, like the Rebbe's writing for like a month, right? And they're like, okay, um... You start off Kaddish. Wait, wait, I have a Torah, Oh my god. We didn't even say kid we didn't say kiddish yet. Alright, we're gonna see Kajrachats. No, 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 I have a dramatora. also, and you're like, oh my god, we're gonna be here all night, right? So what do the parents always tell the kids? we're saying, we really we really love you, we really want to hear what you have to say. By the meal. Save it for the meal. Then they get to the meal, right? It's like it's like, you know what? It's so late. Tomorrow at the meal, by lunch. Okay. Shabbos, Shabbos Yeah, we'll Shabbos right? It's, so he's saying over here, it's very scary, and he says over here, be careful. He says, don't be in a rush. Don't be tired. It's the night to be singing songs and, and talking about Hashem. Why? What's so special about this night? It has to be set by a woman who's a 10-year-old girl and has to be Tahar and your silver has to be out. What's going on over here? We don't even have this on Shabbos, right? So I'm not going to read it to you in Aramaic in, in the Lush and Isaiah. I'm going to read it to you in the translation of Zayah. Shechievu ala'adam l'sap Yisiyas that it's a chiev it's a chiev on every person to talk about Yisiyas Mitzrayim they're going out of Mitzrayim ube'es a you need to know now while you're talking the Haggadah Why are you talking about Yisiyas Mitzrayim Oseif <speaking in> HaKadosh <Hebrew> Baruch Hu God gathers <speaking in Hebrew> to his whole kingdom he gathers his whole kingdom in Shemayim right? And what does he do with them? And he says to them, Lu, come, let's go. The Shimu and let's listen. Let's go listen to the Jewish people talk about my praises, about how I took them out of Itrayim. So all the all the angels of the other world come to God. And they say, they admit, and they praise God, on all the miracles that Hashem did for us coming out of Mitzrayim. And and when the, the all the Malachim see all the Jewish people sitting by their seder table talking about Hashem, they admit to God once a year, on this beautiful holy nation that God has in this world because we are all happy and we are all thankful to the redemption of our creator now I don't understand what this means at all and I don't want you to become uh, heretics but this is what the Zayar says you need to know us, through the power of all the Jews sitting by the Haggadah and talking about Hashem it adds power and strength in Shemayim, we stroll b'Siprahul, and the Jewish nation through Sipur Yitzias Mitzrayim, noisnin kayachle ribaynum, gives strength to God. B'cholah alamayz yirev nekadesh and all the worlds fear Hakadosh Baruch God, v'loy la amrei b'mihiris, don't say the Haggadah in a rush. Va'aghehe doyma olov lemasa, and don't make it look like. Going through the seder is a load on your back. He says, "Chas visholem. He says, "Chas visholem. Now listen very carefully. I never said this before. and This is very, very important. So uh, people think that the the the, the, the 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 seder, if you read the Haggadah, that's it. You're talking about Mitzrayim and how we got out and Krias Wrong. Wrong. Here comes the private part of the seder. Here comes the personal part. Listen to what he says. He mit He says you should know this. Ki mitzvas asay men ha it's a mitzvah asay from the Torah. L'yois l'chol echad mi Yisroel, that every single Jew lizikaron talmud kol yemechayev that he should remember all the days of his life. Hanisim shachar Kodesh Baruch Hu. I to remember the miracles that God did for us, our forefathers, but also what He does for you every day. And how many times you were in Mitzrayim this year, and you thought you were going to lose your job, and you thought you were going to lose the deal, and you thought that you were, you were in your own Mitzrayim, you were in your own slavery, in your own depression, in your own feeling locked in, in your own feeling like a slave. And how many times this year did Hashem take you out of that? And when it comes to this day, when it comes to the seder, when it comes to Pesach, listen to this: you are chayav l'sap er chadai Hashem lefonav. You are chayav to say at the seder all the good things Hashem did before him. Like it says in the pasuk, we got to learn from Yomahu. Ma'aseh ba'olenu ha'mitzvos shel sephis yisrael cholshanu moshanu chol dov v'dov lel Pesach. Keepitz chutz like kodesh baruch hu yifresh kenevah in the schutz. Of every single Pesach, talking about what Hashem does for us, because Rafa will spread his wings, so to say, his protection on us, to save us wherever we are, in Israel, from scuds, from rockets, America, from wherever we are, and in all the ways that we go, and he will do for us miracles. If you sit by the Seder, and you talk about what he does for you a whole year, and you talk about what he does for us, what he did for us in Mitzrayim, he will continue to do miracles. But me, Shahagada Daima Allah but a person who sits by that Seder, and for him, it's a it's a it's a load on his back, it's a yoke. He just can't wait till he gets finished. For Amabar and he goes through the whole Seder by force or he's lazy, he's just sitting there dreaming, sleeping, he's not part of it, and he's not happy, the Kavana slave, and he's not having Kavana, he's not concentrating on what he's doing this is very scary says the the Kavayasha a person who doesn't sit by the seder, happy and excited to talk about all the miracles that God did for him, when he will be in danger, when he'll be in danger and he'll need God to do a miracle, God will not do the miracle for you. Why? Because you showed Pesach you don't appreciate miracles. So you didn't talk about it. You tried to sleep through it. And you were lazy about it. This is a crazy threat. That a person... Who, who, who sits by the Seder and by him it's just a load of, on his back, and he wants to get through it. When he's gonna be in danger, and he's gonna say, Hashem, I need a miracle, Hashem's gonna say, see you later. That's, that's pretty, that's not pretty heavy. That's probably the heaviest comment I've ever seen in the whole Kabbalah Yashu. He says, what? But a person, who who talks a lot about the 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 him being personally saved, and I remember my my grandmother Shalom, used to always talk about her the Holocaust and how she went through the Holocaust and she was saved. And each person at the table should talk about stuff where he thought this year he was done, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu saved him. That's what Hashem wants to hear. And he says also. Um, Wow. He says also that the Nakh and Lumod Nash and Bates, we should teach our women be Yasim by Gilumet when they're cleaning the kingdom from the Khamait, Shihabnu, Khomashikin Yavakh by Yetzahara by Risha Shiya Lilis. That when you're cleaning away the Khamet, you're cleaning away the Yetsahara and Liles, His Lilis. So the the whole the whole um the whole cleaning of the of the chametz is really a representation. It's really a representation because really chametz. what is it? It's it's kosher bread. It's kosher it's something you're allowed to eat a whole year. So why do I what's this whole big problem? All of a sudden crumbs is like you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to see them. You're not allowed to to eat them. You're not allowed to own them. Oh my gosh. I mean it's like crumbs like, like the enemy. Like you can't if I see it and it's in a closet and I'm not eating it, right? The main thing is all you know. Because when it comes to the Yetzirah, guys, if a person wants to get rid of the yetsahara, you got to get rid of the whole Yetzirah. You can't see them. You can't own them. You can't have them. Right? It's the same thing. You got to make them hefker. You got to burn them. You got to get them out of your house. So, chametz is, is a representation of what? What is it called in the Zayar? Sa'ar shebi'isa. Sa'ar Isa means the, the sour part of the dough which is the yeast. Now, I know you guys don't bake, but if you know anything about baking, the amount of yeast that you put into a challah to make it rise is a teeny drop. I don't know if it's 2% of the dough. Right? So you have this dough, and this dough without yeast, it just sits there, it doesn't do anything. Put a drop of yeast in, all of a sudden it becomes a big balkaivah. Comes becomes this huge, 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 huge challah. You think that a little Yitzhakara, you know, Rabbi Wallstein talks about Internet and Facebook and Zumba and all these other things he talks about, and people have a lot of problems with. How can he talk about these things? They're not so bad. I've had like the worst last two weeks of my life when it comes to in the (laughs) Chinnik world. We are, we are, we are. I have so many kids that have been such good people that are so destroyed because they got a hold of internet in the corner of their room. They picked up someone else's internet. One girl. She doesn't know anything about anything. She's from a family. She knows nothing about the outside world really well. She she got an iPod, and then she got some internet through, I don't know, what's his name? Obama phone. There's an Obama phone that he gave out for people who have no money, like welfare people. She got an Obama phone, and she saw some pornography on it. And now that's all she... She came to my office and she's asking me questions and I'm like... <laughs> I never heard such questions in my life because she did, what she saw, she didn't understand. And I was like... I was so embarrassed. I didn't even know what to say to this kid. And this kid's all 13 years old. And, and I'm like... You know, I get it. And I talk about the internet and people laugh at me like... Internet. You know, you get, get with the real thing. Her whole world is upside down. She's finished. She's done. She's done. She's totally rewired. You have to understand that abuse... Right? Abuse of a child... Everyone thinks you have to touch the child. You show a child a filthy movie, what they see doesn't make any sense to them, so they start to think about it, and they start to experiment in what they see, and all of a sudden, they're abusing another kid in school, in the bathroom, in other places, and, and then they're getting kicked out of school, and they, their whole life totally changed because, they, because the parents thought, eh, eh, what's going to be already? Eh, little, an iPod, so it has internet. No, well, what's she going to see? You just destroyed your whole kid. Over what? Right, I'm not talking about one kid. I'm dealing with I, just now before I came in. Just in my house, this is what was going on in my house before I walked into here tonight. Right, of, of, of a kid that was that is that is abused because of what she saw. Nobody touched her because of what she saw. She started to experiment. she, she didn't understand what she saw. She can't learn. It's in her head the whole time. She became a predator. She's only 14 years old forget it. I mean, her whole life is... is, is Something happened in school now and they threw her out and her parents are beyond themselves and therapists and psychologists and from what? From one movie, just one movie. Just being on the internet for 25 minutes. And, 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 And when I get up and I talk about it, people are like, come on. No, no. We have to protect our children as much as we can. Again, you can only do what you can do, but the filth and dirt that's out there on YouTube and all these other places the, the, the Yitzhahara so, so so what is chametz, right so when the Torah tells us that chametz represents the Satan and the Yitzhahara so the Torah is telling us that on Pesach right to get rid of it it's not good enough it's not good enough not just to eat it you can't see it by you rub by you matzah you have to make it after you have to sell it you have to burn it There can't be one crumb in the corner of your room underneath a piece of wood. You gotta vacuum it, you gotta go in a candle, you gotta do a badika with a with a feather that can go into little teeny corners and a little candle. Why? So that the Yesahara Sahara can get into your system, into your nishama, one mashahu. And if you get in there, then he's gonna be like yeast. It's just gonna rise and, rise, and rise, and rise, and rise, and rise, and before you know it, your whole life, your whole, your little kid's life, your whole life, is destroyed. So the, the Zayar talks about that chametz is Sha'ar should be Isa. It's, it's the, it's the yeast, and that, that's the Krech of the Yitzhahara. You know, I, I, told you that cute story, everybody laughs at it, I said it last night in Muncie, cause I never saw, my, I never saw Chalas being baked. And, then, and my mother didn't bake chalas my wife doesn't bake chalas so I don't know anything about chalas I never saw being baked so you know we, we all have this mini that um, the Shabbos after Pesach right the first chalas that you make it's called shlitzel challah. so the Ashkenazim I don't know what the Spadim do we take a key and we put it in the dough we bake the challah, and no matter how many sins you did a whole year you're going to be rich because you put a key in the challah. okay if you believe that fine right it's that's not all that life's about. The school, the school. You know, Ram Moshe Feinstein said something unbelievable. and Mishpah talks about money business between people. He said, Ram Moshe Feinstein said, I wish the and Mishpah would have been a schooler. That everybody would have kept it. Shulchanok would be a schooler. We'd be in good shape. Right, so we have a schooler. So I'm part of the schooler. I also want it. So, so I, my, my wife baked two chalas. Two chalas, One, I put my house key in. So that year, just since comes out good, that year Mitzhashem, I'm going to redo and fix my house and my kitchen is going to, right, that key's going to grow, and then the other key I put of course is my safe deposit box key right, because shlitz what do I want I want, my, I want my safe deposit box to be full of gold, you know, right, so those are my two keys, not the key to my farm shop. no I don't put that, that's not what I put in there, put in the chala, right so the first time the first time we're married and and I'm going to get shlitz so My wife doesn't bake challah, so we're gonna we're gonna go get the kinerik kosher. You get the kinerik kosher, you know it's pre-made sort of the dough, right? So I go to Glotmart, and I'm like, okay, it's Friday, erev Shabbos, little challah, right? And I'm like to the guy, I'm like, I hope I'm not too late. Do you have any kinerik kosher challahs left? He goes, sure, the freezer's full of them. Alright, great. I thought, oh, my wife's gonna kill me. I was supposed to go in the morning, it's already afternoon. I didn't go yet. I figured, oh my god, they're gonna be sold out. So I come, I come to, I open up the freezer, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe this. They don't have challah. Right? They don't have challah. They have all these little teeny blue boxes. Right? Bilkalach. I'm gonna come home with bilkalach, bilkalach, those little teeny challahs, right? I'm gonna come home, she wants to bake a big slice of challah, and I'm late, and I'm gonna get into big trouble. Right? So I run back to the manager, I'm like, oh my god, you don't understand. I was supposed to, I was supposed to get challah. He's a little bilkalach. He goes, bilkalach. We don't sell bilkalach. We, we sell chalas. I'm like, no, no, no. You got bilkalach. You don't have chalas. He goes, what are you talking about? I'm telling you, your freezer's full of bilkalach. He says, really? I gotta go. I, I, I didn't know that we ordered bilkalach. So he comes to the thing. He goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, are you kidding me? That box? You, you want, I'm my wife's get, that's a bilkalach. That's not a challah. He looks at me like I'm at, from Mars. He says, can you read the box? It says challah. I said, I know, but that's very small, and my wife wants a regular size challah. He's like, Wall go home, give your wife these two boxes. So I go home, I'm like, all nervous, right? And I'm like, Esty, you know, they didn't have real challahs, they only have bilkalovs. She goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I got these little teeny blue boxes. She goes, that's not how it works. You take it out, right? And you... You, you put the, the egg on it and then you put the seeds on it and then you take a towel, right? Because they are in the freezer. You take a towel and you cover it for three hours and it rises on its own. That's how challah works. So three hours later, also that little towel is like this big. There's like a monster growing underneath it because that's what yeast does, right? That's the Sahara. The Sahara says... You don't need to do any work. You don't need to do any work, guys. Live life. Party. Right? Just let it be. Don't worry about it. You No work. But things rise, you know? It's going to go on its own. Matzah is the opposite. You have to work it every second. From the minute the water hits the flower, it's never left alone for one second. You make it, and they, make it, and they cut little pieces, it, and then they roll it, and they make the holes in it, and then they put it into the oven. There's not one second that it's left alone. Torah growth, spiritual growth, work, work, work. Satan, just leave it alone. Everything will happen on its own. Don't worry about it. Right. So, so there's a the, the, the representation of what we're doing, cleaning our house. Really, the heimim mukenum is the tefillah that you're supposed to even say when you're cleaning. That when I'm cleaning the chometz, I'm really cleaning the averus out of my soul. The whole the whole pesach is a is a representation. Okay. So now. We have this halacha that, that Hashem is coming to the house and he, and you have to, a, a young girl has to set the table and you have to have your silver out and so what's, what's going on over here? So I want to answer my first question of why Purim and Pesach have to be next to each other. So I want to explain it to you with a story. The story goes like this. You do me give me a cup, please. So the story goes like this. So there was this, there was this governor and he was married, governess. She was married to, to the governor and he suspected her of committing adultery now the punishment in that state for adultery was death and he decided that his wife was committed adultery behind his back and the way that you would put to death was a lethal injection like they have in many states over here so he brings he brings her to court and the governor himself prosecutes his wife and he prosecutes her. And he tries to bring all kinds of proofs and other things. And in the end, they find, they find, they find her guilty. And the jury says she's guilty, punishable by death, and she's gonna be executed by lethal injection. I made a brook on the soda, so I'm not making a brook on the water. Mara Okay? So, they set it up. Sunday night, six o'clock. She's being put to death in prison. Now the way it works when you put someone to death is it's it's a closed room with a a window and they always have two witnesses, usually the prosecutor and two witnesses watch the person die at the exact time that they didn't suffer too long and they're like the witnesses that the person was put to death. So the governor walks into the room and it's 5.30, she's gonna be put to death at six o'clock. She walks into the room. The two witnesses, which were two reporters, from the newspapers, walk into the room, and they're preparing this woman on the gurney on the on the stretcher, and they're they're strapping her down. They don't want her to move, and they strap her down, they ask her, does she want anything to eat? Does she wanted to say anything? No. They strap her down. They have the stuff with the poison in it, right? They put intravenous into her body, so she's getting water, and then at six o'clock or a minute to six, they're gonna connect the poison into the intravenous, and within a minute she shakes and she's gone. So he's standing there and he's watching his wife that he's putting to death because the governor can pardon, right, the person who's on the, who's supposed to be dead, who's supposed to die, the governor has the power to pardon her. So the two reporters, it's a quarter to six and the the two reporters say to, to the governor, listen, it's your wife. Even if she committed adultery, you don't have to kill her. Pardon her, let her go to jail for life, let her suffer for life, but what are people gonna say? You're killing your own wife and you're watching her die? I mean, that's crazy. That's evil. And he's like, no, like, like Achashverosh. We have to teach all the women. You commit adultery. You get executed. I am not pardoning my wife. Ten to six. She turns her head to the window where he's standing and waiting for her to die at 6 o'clock. And she looks at him, and he looks at her, and he figures she hates his guts at this point. He's putting her to death. And she whispers to him, I just want you to know that even though you're putting me to death, I love you. And I'll always love you. And when I die, and I go to heaven, you need to know that I'll be looking down upon you, and I'm still going to love you. Because I've always loved you. And I want you to know that I never committed adultery. But if that's what you believe, and that's what you feel needs to be done to me, I accept it with full love. And he's, you can't hear what she's saying, but he's reading her lips. And he's looking at her and he's like, I I, I, I can't believe what she's saying over here. I'm putting her to death. And she's whispering to me how much she loves me. And it's like seven minutes to six. And the two reporters are standing there and they're like oh my god, Like, how can he do this? She, she, she's dying and she's whispering to the man who's executing her that, so all of a sudden he just breaks down, the husband and he starts banging on the window and he's like pardon, pardon, pardon I pardoned her, let her go untie her, but the guys inside it's a soundproof room they think he's screaming kill her, kill her, kill her I don't pardon her, kill her So they're like, pointing to the clock, five more minutes, five more minutes. You know, we have to wait five more minutes. And he's like, no, no. And they're thinking, he's saying, no, don't wait five minutes. Kill her now. So they're they're, they're all mixed up. It's the governor. Right? So he's going, no, no. Saying, don't kill her. They, They think he's saying, no, no. And they're pointing to the clock. And he's pointing to the clock. And he's going, no. They're thinking, don't wait till six. Do it now. And he's the governor. So, he takes the poison. And he sticks it into the, into the, uh, intravenous. And even though he's screaming no pardon, she dies. Terrible death. Just kidding, that's not what happens. Anyway, so, there's five minutes left, and he's like, he realized he's banging on this, on this window, and she's, and they're not listening, and they don't understand, so he runs around, opens the door, and they're like, what are you doing? What's going on? And he's like, no! I pardon her, and they're like, but we were pointing to the clock, and they're talking to that, and meanwhile, the interview is on her arm and it's like two minutes to six and he realizes that these Mishigam they, they don't know what he's talking about anymore. And if he's just gonna if he's gonna wait till six o'clock, they're gonna kill her. So he runs over to the gurney and he starts taking off all the straps and they're like, What are you doing? And and, and he's like, I part, or whatever. He picks her up, he's not taking any chances because he doesn't want her to die after she tells him how much she loves him. And he starts running through the prison and all the alarm bells are going off and the guards and, and it's a Gantza to Gantz Mishigas. And he runs out of the front of the jail and he runs into his car and he drives out of the jail to make sure that no one's going to touch her. And he's going down the road, and he's like, she's in the car in the front seat with him, and he's like, I I can't believe that after what I wanted to do to you, and you had like six, seven minutes of your life, all you were thinking about is how much you love me. And and I realized at this point that someone that loves me like this could not commit adultery. And she turns to him and she says, I'm really hungry. Do you think we could get something to eat? haven't eaten in a long time and he's like like I'll buy you every restaurant that you want he's madly in love with her and he realized that he almost lost the person who loves him the most in the world sound uh, familiar to you anyone? that's Purim that's what happened on Purim on Purim Hashem signed Xera to us that we committed adultery we went to another party We assimilated. We cheated on him. So Hashem signed death warrants, execution. Women, men, and children will all die. And we, even though he signed that and Mordecai was running through the streets and said, I know that in Shemayim it's Xerah and Hashem signed Xerah that we're all going to die, Right? At the last minute before Haman turned on us and we were all supposed to die, Klai Yisro turned to Hashem, Kimu V'Kiblu Kol Yehudim. At the worst time of our life when we were supposed to all die, when we were all signed off and the governor said we committed adultery and he himself prosecuted us and signed our death warrant, we whispered to him on Purim, Kimu V'Kiblu Yehudim Ba'ava. We love you. We'll always love you. And even if you destroy us, we still will always love you. And the last second, that Baruch Hu took the Zerah and ripped it up and gave us a governor's pardon. And pretty much carried us out of that terrible decree and gave us Purim and said, whatever you want, on am Purim, call it a place Nice and more. Exactly like this story. Where did the Jewish nation get this power from? Shem gave up on us. The governor said, you committed adultery. I'm executing my own wife. Where did Caiusro get this kayach? That when Hashem gave up on us, we turned around and whispered to him that we love him, no matter what. Where did that come from? It comes from Pesach. Pesach happened thousands of years before Purim. What happened on Pesach? There's a very, boys, it's a very, very, very beautiful Medrash And it's, 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 it's a zayar and I've spoken to about it before. It's very, very, very deep. What happened Pesach night? What happened Pesach night is as follows. The very famous question is, why do we eat matzah on Pesach? Anyone here know why you eat matzah on Pesach? What did they say in the Haggadah? Why do we eat matzah on Pesach? Come on, guys. The symbol of of the mud? That's not why we eat matzah on Pesach. We ran out. of it. we ran out of it. We ran out of Mitzrayim. We didn't have time the butt's ache, the dough was on our back, and it didn't have time to rise, and it baked on our back. Not true, it didn't bake on our back. I don't know why we learned that as kids, but I always had a question. You know, you ever go to a matzo factory? You ever see the degree in the oven to bake a matzo? 650? Mm-hmm. Nice. Wow. Up there. Well, you can't even survive Survive? You can't survive for one second in that heat. So, you're telling me that they were walking through 650 degrees? and they didn't melt and the matzah just just the matzah on their back baked what ah, how long could it take before it becomes disgusting so I looked it up it bothered me for many years I, I, it's a crazy story so you know what it says you have to look up when you have a question so I looked it up and this is what it says it says we all misunderstand what it says that they didn't have time to bake the matzah they didn't have time to bake the matzah in the tribe, because they would have rushed, they had to run out. So they took the dough when it was raw, unbaked, and they went into the midbar, and that's where they baked it. It was baked in ovens. That's oh, radio ovens like we have. Same ovens. They went, I think it was, maybe where the, where the 70 day trees were, it brings down wherever it was, it says the machoikas, where they baked it, but they it didn't... The right. Not what? Uh, how did it not rise? But I, I don't know. It, it, was, it was on their backs. What? No, so they had. It, it was butt sick. It was dough. Where did they get oh, they get what? it's very easy to build an oven. That's nothing. To build an oven? In the, 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 in, in any, any uh, what's it called? Bedouin. Any Bedouin can make an oven in probably half an hour. To make an oven. It's, it's bricks, it's stone, and yeah, the oven is not a big deal today. Not our oven with gas. That's not how they make that oven. But the Zamachhoik is exactly what happened. Because the truth is, in memory of the, of, of the. They had matzah in Mitzrayim. They ate matzah with the Koram Pesach. Yeah, yeah. So. So, yeah, so, right, so what was that in memory of? What were those matzahs in memory of? For 200 years. They, uh, they ate matzah, and the whole time when they were there. Do the, the, the 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 so you think that's all they ate was matzah? You think that's what it is? The tar- the Teraitz I saw is that the matzah they ate in Mitzrayim was a mitzvah for that moment, but it wouldn't have been a mitzvah for further. The mitzvah for further is memory of the dough that wasn't baked on our backs. But the actual matzah that they ate in Mitzrayim was a mitzvah for that time because there's certain parts of that mitzvah that we don't do anymore. For instance, you had you had Korban Pesach matzah and mara, but. You also have to put blood on your doorpost. We don't do that anymore. So certain parts of that mitzvah were only for that time. So had they not had the raw dough on their back, we would have had a mitzvah in Mitzrayim to make matzah, but not after that. We would have only had the carbon Pesach. So the mitzvah in Mitzrayim was the mitzvah for, for that time, a mitzvah to eat matzah. The mitzvah that we have now is not the mitzvah of Mitzrayim, it's the mitzvah. So the question is, why doesn't Hashem tell us he knew way in advance when we were leaving Mitzrayim. Why didn't he give us a month notice? We would have had seven-layer cake, Dunkin' Donuts, chocolate fudge cake, brownies. I mean, you know how Jews are when we travel. You go to great adventure, right? Three people get out of the car with 12 boxes of food. Right? You ever go to the circus on, on Pesach? Right? You ever go to the circus? People are sitting there, they got peeled apples and bananas, and, and the Jews come into the circus like boxes of food. We like to eat, Right? So one of the reasons he didn't tell us a month in advance is we would have to have like another million donkeys to carry our food. But the truth is, why didn't he tell us? So we didn't have to eat matzah. We could have been prepared. We could have gone out with our suitcases. What did it say? You got to leave now. Take your stick. Whatever clothes is on your back, which is what the prophet says. The clothes on your back, your stick, and your dough, you don't have time to bake it. Let's go. Why did you do that, Hashem? Why did you give us advance notice? What? <laughs> no. No. Let's keep pause on we, you let, we let we let weren't supposed to have now out we have to go so you're asking a fantastic question he's asking a very good question you hear what he's asking he's saying like this Hashem said go around by Choshech and gather all their their gold gather their gold whatever they had so what do you mean rush, right the answer is but Hashem didn't tell us when we're leaving he just said gather the gold he didn't say you're leaving tomorrow night. He said, gather the gold, know where it is. No, no. They didn't even gather it. Like Khosha, go around, know where it is, so that when you leave, you know exactly where to take it from. So From Kat till the morning we went through all the and We they said, take my gold, take everything, just get out of here. My kids are dying. They threw us out. But he didn't tell us exactly he told us, go by Khoshak, look where it is. When the time comes, they'll take it out. What's the puzzle Hazon? What's the rush? Give us No, but so tell me a month in advance. We'll pack, like normal people. We'll take food, like normal people. We don't have to run out. What's the the, the chippazar? Because the answer is, we're supposed to be there for 400 years. But what happened? What happened? Hashem saw that we were on the 49th level of Tumor. So Hashem saw like this, it's like you're going out, lahabdal, lahabdal, lahavdul. you go out with a girl, right? Guys have a problem to commit. When do we commit? We commit when we think we're gonna lose the girl. When all of a sudden, somebody reads a shidduch, a much handsomer, nice, nicer guy than me, to this girl that I'm going out with, and she's like, listen, if you're not gonna commit, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna marry the guy, but I'm gonna go date this other guy, all of a sudden he's down on one knee. Will you marry me, please, please? Because until you think you're gonna lose it, you not you're not in a rush. Right? What happened over here? Because Baruch was like, 400 years. I'll take them out. We'll hang out for 400 years. All of a sudden, we hit such a low level, Hashem realized one more day, he loses the girl. We cannot leave. We're done. So, if we understand what the Zayar is saying here, that there was a moment, Pesach night, that God was scared, not he was scared, that God was going to lose his kala. So the Medrash says, he went to the Malachim, and he said to the angels, I am going now into Medrashim, because if they're there for another moment, I'm not going to get them, and I'm going to take my power, my bride, I'm going to take her out of Medrashim. So the Malachim said, you have to read this it's a beautiful Medrash. So the Malachim said, the angel said to Hashem, you are the Kohen Ganal, you are going to go into Medrashim with all the the Zara and all the lives and be the time yourself, to take the Jews out, we, the angels, will go down, the manager says this, in But we'll go down, we'll take them out of Mitzrayim, right? We'll come a host of angels, we can handle the Mitzrayim, and we'll take them out of Mitzrayim, and Hashem says, an an I'm I going to do it myself. Why don't you let the Molochim take them out? So he compares it, to imagine, if you want to propose to a girl, and you send your friend, Chaim, right? You say, Chaim, here's a ring. You go down on one knee. So he shows up at the girl's house. Hi, Miriam, I'm here. My name is Chaim. Yes, how can I help you? I'm here from the, the guy that you're going out. You know, Maishi Yeah, how can I help you? And the Shuiah Chaim gets down on one knee and says, Moishi wants to know, will you marry him? She's going to be like, are you kidding me? He can't come here himself and ask me? He sent you to ask me for him? You tell him if he wants to marry me. Get your mother over here and get down on one knee. I don't need you coming for him. That's what Hashem said. This is my kala. I'm not sending you to propose to my kala. I am going into Mitzrayim and I am taking one second. I am taking my own kala out of Mitzrayim And that's why it was Bechipazayim. It was a moment where Hashem had to do it in a rush. Because if he didn't do it in a rush, there was no way that we were going out. So his love... Now, person gets engaged, right? You don't earn that the girl, when you get down on one knee and say, will you marry me, right? Why? Let's say the girl would say to you, why should I marry you? Did you go to work and support me? No. No. Um, Why should I marry you? What did you do for me? And the answer is, because I love you. I love you. That's why you should marry me. I know, but you didn't do anything for me. That's right, but I love you. Engagement is a relationship before anyone did anything for anybody. The reason they get engaged is because they love each other, right? So you didn't earn that. You don't earn engagement. The rest of it, the marriage and the life together, yeah, you have to earn. She has to she, what did she do for you that you're getting engaged also? Why are you proposing to her? Did she clean for you? Did she cook for you? Did she do the laundry? What did she do for you? I hope you share the gear, right? The two of you? So like what did you do for each other? Nothing. So why are you asking her to marry you? Because I fell in love with this girl. And I have I see the potential of the two of us. Of what we could become. Right now, no, we didn't do anything for each other, but the potential. So the marriage is the work. The proposal is the love. That later on, you have to earn. The night of Pesach, we, di- we didn't earn Hashem's love. Why did Hashem propose to us on the night of Pesach? Just the opposite. Because we were lowlifes. Because we hit the 49th level of tuma, Because he thought he was going to lose us. We didn't earn... Forgot to take us out of a triumph. It was the worst part of the triumph. We were at a point that we were there for another moment, we're lost. So we didn't earn We didn't do anything to earn. Shmow we earned, we worked. Forty nine days, you know, beside all these different things. but but Pesach night, we didn't earn anything. That's why the minute this- Pesach night's over, we have the 49 days that we have to earn, because this is a freebie. Pesach night's a freebie. So just the opposite, we hit the 49th level of Tumah, we didn't earn it, it was the love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I'm taking you myself, I'm taking my kala out right now. I told you a beautiful story, I don't know if I said it last year, a few years ago, It's a very beautiful marshal about a king. And he's a young guy, and he needs to get married. So the, they decided that they're taking him to this other kingdom, to meet this beautiful, rich, famous princess. In those days, he used to marry for kingdoms, right? So he gets into his his coach with his all his soldiers, and they're on the way to this other kingdom far, far away. And they're going through this town, very peasant, very poor, muddy, hot town. And they're, they're, they stop for a moment, and there's a, a woman laying on the side of the road in ripped, ripped clothing, a beggar, a beggar. Her hair is all caked and dirty and filthy, and just. Filthy never took a shower for who knows how long ripped clothing caked hair and she has her hand out and she's like alms for the poor alms for the poor and the king who's sitting in the, in the chariot they're waiting at the crossroad for something whatever it is and he sees this hand this woman filthy woman with her hand out alms for the poor and he says to his soldiers who is that? and they're like Oh, don't, don't, don't pay any attention it's a beggar girl he goes a beggar girl in my kingdom? I want to see her tell her to get up So she gets up, she's terrible, she looks ugly, she's filthy, she's bleh. And he says to her, who are you? And she says, my lord, I just if you could just give me some charity, I I have no right to even look at you or talk to you. I'm a filthy beggar. And he says, get into the carriage. And all the soldiers are like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, we're we're on our way. We're on our way to, to, to the princess. No, 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 don't even start with this one. This is a beggar. And he's like, get into the carriage. And she gets into the carriage. And he looks at her and she's filthy and muddy, whatever it is. And he tells the driver of the carriage, turn the carriage around. We're going back to the palace. And they're like, don't even think about it. This is not, this cannot work. You're not getting involved with this girl. We have an appointment. We're going to see this princess, right? And he's like, we're going back to the palace. And they go back to the palace and everyone's schmoozing. They see the king come back. This filthy, dirty, ragged, peasant girl, right? The king's coming back, this young, beautiful prince, whatever it is, coming back. With and everyone's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I want you to take her to my mother's, to the, to the queen's room. I want her bathed. I want you to put a gown of my mother's on her. Makeup, I want her hair done. Tonight at dinner, you have five hours to get this girl into shape. I want her at the dinner table. And they're like, and they're like listen, it's very nice, Cinderella, and all the stories. You are the king. You cannot be dating A filthy poor peasant girl and he's like I am the king and I will date whoever I want to date and I want her at the dinner table when I get there tonight all right what are you gonna do so they clean her up and they do her hair and everything else of course she walks into the room and she's the most dazzling gorgeous princess looking that you could ever imagine and everyone's like, wow. They would have never imagined that, 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 that she could look like this. She was filthy and dirty and disgusting. And the prince says, I know beauty. Sometimes even when it's hidden, but I know beauty. And I knew I could see through all this mud and all this. that She's really, truly a princess. Yes, she doesn't know the manners of the court, but we'll teach her that. And I'm not going to meet no princess in a faraway land this is who I'm going to marry sounds like a very romantic make a movie Broadway show right this is what happened in the Medrash the Medrash says when HaKadosh Baruch Hu came out to Mitzrayim the Malachim said to the HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what are you doing what are you doing this is a filthy nation serves a void Zara on the 49th level of Tuma this is what there's a I should read you the Medrash inside the Lushan was Hashem, stay up here with us with the Malachim, with the angels we will take care of everything that needs to be taken care of why would you choose such an ugly, disgusting power? The, 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 the Jews are on the 49th level of Tumah they're Vadim, they're not even a free people you're not even choosing your people from the Canaanim, from the free, rich people they're slaves they're a bunch of slaves that that what, all they do all day is, is make bricks. They're nothing. And, they, and they complain to the what are you doing? We will stay up here in Shemayim with you. Why are you going down? In fact, they called Hashem a Kayan and they said, Mitzrayim is a Beisach Kvaros, and a Kohen's not going to go into a Beisach Kvaros. And Hashem said, if there's Truma in a Beisach Kvaros, and it's, and it's, and it's Tahar, the Kayan has to go be Mitzrayim himself to save the Truma and Kayishrol is my Truma. When, and I don't understand exactly the Madras and, and then so the Malachim said but if you're going to go into the Mitzrayim Hashem you're going to become Tame, because you're a Kohen so who's going to make you Tar and Hashem said I want a coin. I don't know what that means I want a Kohen makes God tar, tar but that's what the Medras says so it was on a level exactly like this story where Hashem said to the Malachim this is my, I don't want the Kanaanim or the Plishtim or the Malakim, or the Free Nations I want the filthy 49th level Jews because I know where they come from and I know underneath the mud and all the tumor, I know who the Jewish nation really is. So we're going to take them out of the trium and we're going to travel to Harsinai, and we're going to clean them up, and we're going to give them a Torah, and we're going to teach them how to be royalty. We're going to give them 613 rules on how to how to act in the king's court, which is in this world of Hashem, and that's who Klai Yisrael is. And that was Hashem's love for us. On that night, even though we not, did not deserve it, His unbelievable love for us, the night that we got engaged to our Kodesh Baruch Hu, which is the night of Pesach. And therefore, the table has to be set in the most pure, beautiful, possible way. Because the Chassan, the one who proposed to us on the night of Pesach, the Chassan is coming to every one of our houses to tell his angels. Look how right I was. Remember 3,000 years ago when you told me that the girl on the side of the road who's filthy and dirty that I shouldn't bring her home because how could the king bring her home? Look who she is today. Look at them sitting with their children surrounded by silver and kedusha and shiraz the Look how right I was about my kala, about my nation. Chas v'shalom, is you come to your house, and you should be talking about politics. Or I'm tired, and I I I, I need to go to sleep, and I hate this. Chas v'shalom, that the malachim should say, you see, we were right. She is ugly. She doesn't appreciate who you are, Hashem. You should have just stayed up in Shemayim with us. Chas and therefore the Kaviyosha says, if you do that, then when you need God to do a miracle for you, He won't be there for you. But if you prove him right, that many thousands of years ago on that night when he said, the girl in the mud and the filth and the dirt with the ripped clothing, my beautiful bride, she's really, really beautiful, and you're there to show Hashem and to talk about Hashem and how great the Chassan is, and that's why Moshe Rabbeinu is not in the Haggadah, because Moshe Rabbeinu was the Shatkin, and there's no room for a Shatkin when there's a Chassan and Kawa so it's a crazy crazy night it's a night of tefillah you can ask for anything that night it's, it's a night of kedusha. it's the night of leil shimurim where Hashem says leave your doors open you're the kala I'm the chassan I'll protect you you have nothing to worry about it's a crazy night it's the night that God fell in love with us for no reason 49th level of Tumba no reason the girl on the side of the road filthy dirty and the king said get into my chariot we're going home we're going out of the shrine get into my chariot we're going to Har Sinai I'll clean you up and I'll teach you how to be in my world in, 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 in my in my in my world, and that's Christm. And that's what we're celebrating on the night of Pesach. How dare you be in a rush at eleven thirty? I don't want to talk about. It. I don't want to talk about my cousin. You ever hear coward? I mean, you don't hear girls, but that's all they talk about when they get engaged. You don't want to be their friends, because they have nothing else to talk about. Oh, he has dimples. Oh, he's so cute. Oh, he's such a big child. Oh, he's so B-b-b-b. And the girls are like, hello, I'm not engaged. I don't want to hear about your husband. I don't want to hear about your cousin, right? But we, they're so excited that all they want to talk about is their cousin. So that's the night of Pesach. We're supposed to be cheap each a We're supposed to be so excited. I want to talk about my cousin. You know what? I is still my cousin. And this year I was going through this and I was going through that, I was going through this. Hashem, my, my, my child was saved, I was saved and, and everyone at the table was talking about a kush baruchu, and he's there with his malachim and he's saying, see, you guys looked at a dirty, filthy girl at the side of the road and said, why are you going down to Mitzray we'll stay with you in Shemayim but I saw through it, said Hashem and I saw Klai beauty that's the Kedusha that's the Kedusha of the Seder night it's a crazy, crazy night so Purim and Pesach are the same thing exactly the same thing on Pesach Hashem fell in love with us and went against everybody all the malachim and everybody and said I am about to lose them they're on the 49th level of Tomah I do not want to lose them I am going to save them even though they don't deserve it on Purim Kalay Yisrael said we're going to be lost but it doesn't matter We had a moment that we fell in love with Hashem that day. Even though He said goodbye, have a good day. You're out of here. You're out of my life. I'm, 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 I'm executing you. We turned around and said, "We love you." On Pesach. We were the ones who were walking away. We were on the 49th level of Tumor. We were the ones who were saying to Hashem, you're not part of us. We have every Avodah desire. We're not interested in you. We want to stay in the triumph. We like the watermelon. We like the pickles. We like our masters. We don't want to go anywhere. We've had it. And a kushbach on the other hand said, I love you no matter what. Even though you're on the 49th level of tumma, you're filthy, you're dirty. You're everyday Zarah. desire. It doesn't make a difference. I am in love with you. So on Pesach Hashem said, I am in love with you. And on Purim, we said to Hashem, we are in love with you. And that's why they need to be next to each other. Because to have a marriage, both sides have to be in love with each other. So on Pesach, Hashem fell in love with us, no matter how, how bad we were. And on Purim, we fell in love with Hashem, no matter how much He wanted to destroy us. Those two geulas have to be next to each other. And that's why there can't be a month in between. That's why Pesach and Purim, that's the true geula. That's the true geula. So I want to end this very fast with an amazing Zvai I want to end with this. And I, you might have heard it before, but it is... Mind-boggling. So the question is as follows, and this you can take to that anyone you ask this. I'm not trying to show off, but nobody knows this answer, and it's just it's just beautiful to sit and talk about this by your by your table. And if you're going to say one dvar Torah, this is dvar Torah. I would advise you to say. So the question is, I'm going to say it to you very fast. The question is very simple. We take mora and we dip it in haroset, right? Does Father have haroset made out of dates? Dates, wine something else the Ashkenazim may have it made out of apples wine and cinnamon right and nuts right That's so, but it's very sweet now what does it remind us of so the brown part is the as it says in Shokhar reminds us of the bricks right it's like some charosis that comes packed that you mix with water it tastes like bricks so I'm not going to say where you get it from but, but it tastes like bricks it's not supposed to taste like bricks but it's supposed to look like bricks okay It says in the Shulchan Aruch that you're supposed to use wine. You're supposed to make it with wine. Why wine? Why wine? Why not apple juice? Because the wine is red and reminds us that in the bricks, the blood, if if the Jews didn't have enough bricks, they took babies. Matrim said, if you don't finish this wall with bricks, wherever there's a hole, we're sticking a baby in. So you better finish it. And we couldn't finish it. So they took live Jewish babies and put them in the wall and then put cement around them and we have to watch these babies Die. We weren't allowed to feed them. Cry and die. Could you imagine? We can't. It sounds worse than the Nazis. Right? That's crazy. Put babies in a wall. Right? So the blood of those babies is the red wine in the bricks of the charosas. Guys, let me ask you something. Isn't is supposed to be sweet? What is sweet about dead babies? In fact, what's the marar? Marar is in memory of they whipped us and they beat us and they made us work in the sun. Okay, that's pretty bad. But taking babies and putting them in the wall and watching them die, that's much worse. So you're telling me to take Mara, which is by Mara's Hayyam, and make it sweet by dipping the Mara in dead baby's blood. Something's very evil about that. Something's very wrong about that, that makes absolutely no sense but all of us in this room, and everyone watching this, we've been doing this, I'm doing this my whole life, I'm like, never ask the question, hello sweet, this is more bitter than the mor itself what's what's this harosis why am I dipping mara in harosis listen to this answer so the Medjish Rabbah says the following first let's go to Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch says the following, there are three averish, there are three Averis that you have to die for Adultery, murder, and Zara. If someone comes over to you, puts a gun to your head and says, You either commit adultery or I'm gonna kill you, you have to say kill me. You either bow down to this idol, I'm gonna kill you, kill me. You either kill Chaim or I'm gonna kill you, kill me. Any other Avera they say be machal shabis, I'm gonna kill you, be makal shabis. Eat pig or I'm gonna kill you, eat pig. Unless it's in front of everyone and it's, it's, it's a certain thought. But otherwise so there's only three Averas, right? So those three you have to die for. What happens? halakhically the Shulchan Aruch says what happens someone puts a gun to your head right in front of the whole room here he says Chaim I'm going to shoot you unless you kill Shmuel and you're like oh, I don't want to die I don't want to die give me your gun boom and you kill Shmuel you don't want to die right now we're all witnesses we go to and we're like oh my god we're witnesses we just saw Chaim kill Shmuel what is, Bezin, is Bezin allowed to kill Chaim for doing that And is is no He's Potter. Why? Because he's an oines. Somebody had a gun to his head. So even though you're supposed to die for the three cardinal sins, if you don't, you're not machayev. You're not punished. At the end of the day, your life was on the line. You were forced to do it. You should have died. You should have done it. But if you don't do it, you're forgiven. You're, it's not punishable, said the Okay, that's the halacha. Now the Medjug says that when we came to the Amsuf, and the Jews were getting out of the Yamsuf and the, the, the Egyptians were following us, so Hashem said, I am now going to drown the whole Egyptian nation. Now every nation has a Malach in Shemayim called the Sar, right? He's called the Sar, the Sar of Mitzrayim. The Sar of Mitzrayim came in front of Hashem and said, you're about to drown my whole nation. Why are you doing this? And Hashem said... Mithraim took my babies, the Jewish babies, and threw them into the boys and threw them into the Nile River. So now, Mizakaneg you took the Jews and threw them the Nile River? Now I drowned them? Now I'm going to drown all of you. Right? the and Mizah. That's how Hashem works. So the Tsar of Mithraim, who knew how to learn, because he's a Malach, said, God, you have to keep your own halachas. Your halacha is. Right? That if you're a Ma'anis, if you're forced to do something, it's not punishable. He said, look in Pasha Shmos. Paro said to all the Egyptians, right, you have to take all the firstborn Jewish boys and throw them to the Nile. If you don't listen to the king, right, and you rebel, it's punishable by death. So, Paro told them, either throw the Jewish kids and kill them, or I'm gonna kill you. So you're right, Hashem. They should have given up their lives, but they didn't. Your halacha is that if you kill somebody because someone else is going to kill you, you're not chayev So how could you, how could you kill my children, my, my Egyptians? They also were ma'anes. It's your halacha. The king said, either kill the Jews or I'm going to kill you. So you're right, they should have not killed the Jews. But if they killed the Jews because they were forced to, you yourself said you're not allowed to punish them. So how could you punish them? But Khrushchev says, Khrushchev says to the Tsar of Yisrael, I can't drown the Egyptians. And if they don't drown the Egyptians, the Egyptians are going to follow the Jews. They're going to wipe us out. They had weapons. We, we, weren't, we weren't warriors. So the Medrash says that the Malach real ran down to the earth, took a dead baby out of the wall, flew back to Shemayim, took the Belush of the Medrash, took the baby, threw it in front of Hashem, in front of the Kisei, and said, Pharaoh never told them to do this. And if you look in the whole passage most, you'll see that Paro said throw the Jews into the Nile, but taking babies and putting them in the wall instead of bricks—that was the Egyptians' idea. So there, they weren't forced to do it. Paro didn't tell them to do it. That was something they did on their on their own. So the Medrash says when he threw the baby in front of Hashem at Hashem said Kol aim, destroy all of them. Which means that if it wasn't for the blood of the babies in the wall. The Jewish nation would have been destroyed by the Mitzrim because Hashem had no right to kill the Mitzrim. They were being forced by their king. So what saved us was the blood of those babies in the wall. Where were those babies? In the bricks. So the halach and shulchanarach is that the harayshas has to be made with the blood of the children that were in the walls because it was the blood of the children that was in the walls that ended up saving Klai Yisrael. What better place to dip Murrah into? What is Mara? Mara represents the bitter things in your life. So we take the bitter things in our life and we dip it into something that looks terrible, looks worse than anything that we've ever seen. But we, the deep secret behind it is that even though it looks terrible, it's the blood of babies, it's what saved us. So by taking the Mara, the bitter things in life, and dipping it into something that looks really bad, but we know it's really, really good in the end, will sweeten our own Mara in our life because it will bring us to an understanding that what looks bad is not really bad. And therefore we take the Mara and we specifically dip it in the Chorosis. It's You've never heard this, unless you heard it from me, whatever it is. It's a on believable, I mean everything in the Seder is a representation of, of something very important. It's an unbelievable part that the Mara goes into the harosis to teach us, yes, it looks so terrible. It's a terrible thing. Look what happened. But if you look deep into the medrash, if it wasn't for that, we would have been wiped out. So in the end that's what saved our lives. And, and and that's what the whole Seder is about. It's about leaning like a king. It's like dipping like a king, but eating masa like a poor man and eating moral like, like like a bitterness. The whole thing is a paradox. The whole Seder is is opposites. Everything that's happening in the Seder is opposites. I'm eating matzah, which is the poor man, but my my, my room is full of silver. I have to take all my silver out. So am I a poor man or am I a rich man? What's going on over here tonight? And the answer is that in life, sometimes you're poor, sometimes you're rich, sometimes you're matzah, sometimes you're broken, sometimes you're whole, sometimes you're leaning, sometimes it's bitter. That's what life's all about. But at the end of, of the Seder, the end of everything, and the end of everything, the end of the whole Haggadah, all the pain and all the Mara and the Paro and Lavan, and, and, and all the stuff that we go through in the whole Seder. And the, the Seder has Mara and the Seder has Matzah. And the Seder has all the different, and the four cups of Geula. There's Geula, there's going into the shrine. There's Vayanunu, right? There's Vaynitzach, there's, there's a lot of pain. Haggadah's is full of a lot of pain. It's also full of a lot of redemption right that's what life's about life's not all redemption and life's not all pain but at the end of the Haggadah chagadja. and what's at the end of Chagadjah and the Chagadjah will come the and he will kill the Malach and he will bring Mashiach and he will bring Mashiach and that this year Rabbi we'll all comes to claim and it says that on on the erev Pesach was the busiest day in the Beit Hamigdash, because every single Jew had to eat from a Pesach, right? So the Kahanim erev Pesach usually there was only a little bit, a little amount of Kahanim David, right? That used to work in the Beit Hamigdash. We only worked two weeks out of the year, but it came erev Pesach all the Kahanim. They had to line up. They were almost lined up. It was like Passover, Pass, 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 Passover. Maybe that's why it's called Pass. Right? And they would Pass, Pass, Pass. It was the busiest day, May. All the kahanim, David Cohen Sedek and Rabbi Woloskin, and all the kahanim. May this year Takkah be the busiest day of this year. Mitzvah Hashem to be erev Pesach and the Beis Hamikdash with the coming of Mashiach from here. Yameinu, Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by ToraanyTime.com.